0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective. This is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good morning. I was going to say good afternoon, but it's still technically good morning. Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, October the 3rd, 2023. It is currently 1156 a.m. Central time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. So let's, let's take a few minutes of your time and my time. Let's take a little bit of our time and let's consider a subject more from a devotional perspective. This is not going to be a, you know, a, a complete topical study or a word study, more from a devotional perspective. But I want you to think about today, maybe I should have done this for a Today's Focus episode, but I want you to think about today about negligence. Negligence. Negligence is defined in the following way. Negligence is a failure to exercise appropriate and or ethical ruled care expected to be exercised amongst specified circumstances. All right, that's kind of a a lengthy definition. Let's try that again. Negligence is a failure. We can just start right there. Negligence is a failure to exercise appropriate and or ethical ruled care expected to be exercised among amongst specified circumstances. All right, there, there's a lot going there. Let's try to simplify it. Negligence, failure to take proper care In doing something, that one's a little bit better. The other one has more of legal ramifications, the legal ramifications of negligence or when someone has proven to be negligent in a specific area or guilty of negligence. But we'll move, we'll kind of step away from a legal definition and look at it from a much more practical standpoint, from a devotional standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint. Negligence is failure to take proper care in doing something. So for today, I want you to ask in your spiritual life and in my spiritual life, in which ways are we guilty of negligence? Where we fail fail to take proper care in doing something. Now, I think we can be negligent in doing something. We could possibly be negligent in protecting. There's probably a lot of different ways we could be negligent in our spiritual life. I, I, if if you if you are up to it today, grab a piece of paper and just keep it nearby. You may want to set, it, you know, place it on the refrigerator, right? And just any time in your day when you come up with different ways you're negligent in your spiritual life, just go over to the refrigerator and just write them down. Number one, I am negligent in my prayer life. Okay, I'm pretty guilty of that. I am. I'm, I'm just saying that if I was going to lay out my level areas of weakness in my spiritual life, prayer would be one of them. Are you negligent in your prayer life? Are you negligent in your study, in your meditation, like are in pursuing godliness and, and like, where, where are you negligent? Where does negligence show up in your spiritual life? Now, the reason we're going to talk about this is, well, about 3 a.m., 4 a.m., this morning, I decided to grab my iPad. I went to the Sermons 2.0 app. I tapped on the feed tab, my feed, and I just started scrolling down, 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 over and over and over and over. I tried to get all the way to the bottom of my feed. I think it took me to 18 days ago. I I, I follow so many broadcasters on the Sermons 2.0 app. It's ridiculous, right? So I went down and I think I got to the very last sermon, The very, 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 very last sermon. And it was a sermon entitled, Don't Be Negligent. Now, the beginning of it is really, it it sounds like it's a a message preached by a missionary that was kind of at a church, probably trying to, you know, get, you know, trying to gain money, get money for his going on on the mission field. Probably one of those situations. So the first part of it's just kind of your typical missionary presentation. And then all of a sudden, about 20 something minutes in, Maybe 30 minutes in, he's like, okay, grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Proverbs. And he has kind of a devotional message, kind of a little short message on don't be negligent. So I thought we would just skip all the other part, jump to it and listen to a little bit of what he has to say and that you and I can just think about today and what ways are we negligent in our spiritual lives? What ways are we negligent as a church, as an individual, and which ways am I negligent as a Christian podcaster, right? As a person, in what way? Are, in which ways are you guilty of being negligent? Negligence. I think that's something that we do. We have to fight against it. It is something you struggle with. Again, negligence is failure to take proper care in doing something. All right. So, have you done due? We talk about due diligence have we taken have we done due diligence to see where we are very much negligent sometimes it requires due diligence to see where we are negligent in our christian life where we are guilty of negligence All right, so do a little due diligence today don't be negligent of looking for your negligence okay is that i'm i'll try to come up with every way to say it to get to to get there but i i i think it's i mean it's not a subject i've done much thinking about negligence in my spiritual life. I probably have never given it much thought, but the title of the message is Don't Be Negligent. It got me thinking. So we'll see how he approaches the subject. We can see whether we we understand it, whether we get... He uses an, a lengthy illustration here, very lengthy illustration. And I don't know if the illustration works, you you can give me your feedback on his illustration. It's a long illustration. It seems like it just lasted forever. Now, of course, it was like three or four in the morning. So I was probably, you know, falling, you know, going to sleep, waking back up, probably listening to it. But you can tell me, you can tell me if you're like, oh, that's a, that illustration was very convicting. I think I kind of felt it's kind of funny. I don't know. I kind of went back and forth. You can, you can let me know. Are you ready? Here we go. Let's go listen to this. Don't be negligent. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to critique, analyze, but we're going to really use it as for us to just getting you and I today to just look at our Christian lives and go, where am I, where am I negligent in my Christian life? Where is negligence prominent in my Christian life? Let's see what, how this was covered I don't know when this sermon was preached. Well, I know, I know it shows up 18 days ago in my feed. Uh, so it maybe it was 18 days ago when it was posted. But yeah, I mean, it took me forever to get to the bottom of my, uh, my, my feed there on the Sermons 2.0 app. But you should be following as many people as possible there so that every day when you click on, uh, the feed tab on the Sermons 2.0 app, you have spiritual food waiting for you every day. So you really should, you should be following so many different broadcasters. All right, here we go.
1: This evening I'd like to look at uh, Proverbs chapter 24, Proverbs chapter 24, and uh, here in Proverbs 24 will not be long, but I'd like to look at um, the last verses here of this chapter, beginning in verse 30, Proverbs 24. Beginning in verse 30, the Bible says this And I went by the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. This is the key verse for our message tonight, verse 32. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. The first three verses that we read there describe two areas that should have been very, very fruitful. Uh, and and a blessing uh, to not just the farmer and the husbandman, the keeper of the vineyard, but a blessing to many others. But instead, these two places were, first off, in verse 31, grown over with thorns, and secondly, nettles had covered the face thereof, and then lastly, even the wall, the barrier wall that set apart that place, uh, was broken down. And in this account, the writer sees it and he thinks about it. He...
0: All right, so Proverbs 24, all right, we and I'm going to read it again. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30. Uh, The writer of Proverbs says, "'I went by the field of the slothful "'and by the vineyard of the man "'void of understanding.'" So he goes to a field and he goes to a vineyard. One, I, and, I, and I know this is some ways they're linked together, but I'm just going to separate them for our teaching purposes. We can get into discussion. But I think I think we it, 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 there's the idea, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. Someone who's slothful, someone who just doesn't get it. Someone who doesn't seem to understand, all right? And so these places, as he said, that should be a place of blessing not only for the people who it's your vineyard it's your field it should also benefit and and and, and be pro- and beneficial for other people as well but he goes by and he and so he goes by this field and and look what he finds that uh, it was all grown over and lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down. It's just in disarray. It's in disuse. It's it's corrupted. It's useless. It's it's vain. It's meaningless. It's not. It's nothing of great value. No one is benefiting from it. No one. It's an eyesore. It's a problem. It's more. It's more of a difficulty than it is a blessing. And then look what he says. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. So he sees this and he gains instruction. Now, you could take this a couple of ways. We could look at this in the most physical, materialistic way possible, right? And we could then say, yeah, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that tra- uh, that traveleth and thy want as an armed man, All right. Now, this this is important. This is important. You can look at this from a very like fleshly materialistic way. Hey, look, if you're lazy, if you're slothful, if you don't get it, then you're going to you're going to your business is going to fall apart. Your your career is going to fall apart. Your your goals are never going to be met. We can look at this in the most physical way, possible materialistic way. And there's some principles from that. You know in my life, you know in your life, and you know in my life, that if we are lazy, if we're slothful, if we don't understand, if we don't take care of things, well, they're all going to fall apart. The wall's going to fall down. They're going to be grown over with thorns and nettles. And this thing that should be useful and beneficial, we're going to waste the opportunity, and it's going to be gone. We're going to lose the opportunity. It's going to fall apart. And we're, we're... we're not going to get any, we're not going to get anything from it. Now that's true in business. That's true in so many areas of life. You, 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 you got to do something with it. You got to put forth the effort. You can't be slothful. You got to put forth understanding. So, so we, we can get that. We can understand that from a very fleshly perspective, but I'm going to, and you can now we could talk about this hermeneutically. We, we could talk about this hermeneutically. Do you feel? that the text would allow, or that other scriptures would support that these concepts could also be applied, not just to your physical material life, your career, other, other things like that, but that this could be also applied to your spiritual life. That spiritually speaking, if you were If you a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, if you become complacent, if you become apathetic, if you become negligent in your Christian life, right? You're not really, in a sense, working on the field, working on the vineyard. You just become lazy. You become lax. You become complacent. You become apathetic in your spiritual life. Then spiritually speaking, poverty will come. Poverty will come. If if you approach this in a—if uh, um, we apply this to a spiritual perspective, do you believe that that's an accurate representation? Do you believe that? Now, this would be talking about our lives practically. Obviously, positionally, no spiritual poverty will ever touch us. No, no want will ever be—will will come upon us positionally because we have everything we need in Christ. But practically in your spiritual life, do you think apathy, slumber— Slothfulness, sleep, complacency, negligence. Do you think it has uh, major spiritual ramifications for your life, for your practical spiritual life? I think it's an important question. I'm going uh, to look at Proverbs 24, 34. I'm going to look at this. I'm just going to look at this verse and all of its different translations because I'm just curious here. I'm going to look at this because I just want to see how I was looking for my other uh, other Bibles but they are I don't know where they currently are um, they're somewhere all right Proverbs 24:34 okay here we go and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man all right that's interesting okay uh, so and it says uh, ESV and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man all right uh and poverty will come upon you like a robber and need like a bandit all right that's another way of of dis- of of it the amplified bible uh then you then your poverty shall come as a robber and your want like an armed man all right that's an interesting way of of looking at it uh the well, other other translations do it a little bit uh, differently so but the idea is hey, if you if you if you're lazy if you're If you're just not taking care of the vineyard, of the field, next thing you know, you're going to turn around and you're not going to have anything. All all, all of a sudden, it's just going to be like someone breaking in on you. You're going to wake up one day and realize, I don't, uh, uh, it's all gone. The opportunity is gone. I I don't have, I have need now. Well, Spiritually speaking, if we're lazy and we're complacent, do we wake up one day and realize now we're in spiritual poverty? We're lacking what we need as a Christian. We're hurting ourselves. How does your spiritual negligence—now, again, I want to ask you just from a hermeneutical standpoint, do you believe that can be applied to us spiritually, or do you believe that's going too far? Do you believe—is the text just to be like, hey, guys, look, hey, hey, look, here's a basic lesson in life. If you're lazy, if you're slothful, if you're sleeping, if you're slumbering, if you're apathetic, if you're negligent, guess what? Opportunities and things that could be great—a great benefit to you it's just going to fall apart, and you're going to lose it. It's going to be gone, and you're and you're going to wake up one day realizing now that you're you have a need because you were not you did not show the diligence that you should have. Is it just a very fleshly, materialistic uh, lesson, or is there a spiritual one? Now you, we would have to probably we would technically need probably other scriptures to sh- demonstrate that the Bible elsewhere. Elsewhere seems to say that we need to show diligence in our spiritual life. I know as a newborn babe, you are to desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Well, that's, if you're going to, if you're going to grow because of the milk of God's word, you're going to have to have, you can't be, you can't be slothful. You can't be apathetic. You have to put forth diligence. Study to show thyself approved. I know other translations, I think it says be diligent or something along those lines. Seems to carry the same idea. So I think maybe we could prove it with other scriptures. Let, let's see what he does with
1: it. He considers it. He looked upon it and he received instruction. Just seeing that neglected field taught him some things. And so this evening, briefly, I would like to consider from this passage and a few others the danger of neglect. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together in your house. Lord, I thank you for this church, Lord, and its love for each other, its love for the lost and its immediate area, Lord, its desire to see churches planted, in its Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and then, Lord, certainly its reach to the uttermost. So we pray, Lord, here and look into your word this evening. I pray that we would, similarly to the writer, take instruction. If there's some area in our our life that you bring to our mind that's been neglected and needs tended to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here's a brief essay. Can you name me? I was never guilty of wrong action, but on my account, lives have been lost, trains have been wrecked, ships have gone down at sea, cities have burned, battles have been lost, and governments have failed. I never struck a blow, nor spoke an unkind word, but because of me, homes have been broken up, friends have grown cold, the laughter of children has ceased, wives have shed bitter tears. Brothers and sisters have forgotten each other, and fathers and mothers have gone brokenhearted down to their graves. I have intended no evil, but because of me, talent and genius have come to nothing. Courtesy and kindness have failed, and the promise of success and happiness has yielded sorrow and disaster. I have no sound but my silence, no children except grief and disaster. You may not on the instant call me by name, but surely you are personally acquainted with me. I am neglect.
0: Pretty powerful essay that he's reading from. That, hey, neglect can lead to the destruction of all of these things. Now he's looking at very practical things, I'm trying to emphasize how neglect impacts us spiritually, how negligence has a profound impact on us spiritually. Where are you negligent in your spiritual life? That's really the question of the day. I want again, I want you to identify. I'm telling you, when I give you these ideas, I know these ideas are always crazy, but put it on the refrigerator and just walk by anytime you're like, where am I negligent in my Christian life? Where am I negligent spiritually? I get I you we could argue all day hermeneutically. Do you think that Proverbs should only be applied to the most materialistic things or does it have a spiritual ramification. You you can try to justify that. You do some cross-referencing to say no, I think the rest of scripture would justify that this kind of concept uh, uh that that is applicable to our spiritual life as well. I, I I just I believe it is. I'm not I'm not trying to go forth and try to prove it yet, but I, I just I just want you to at least consider this. I put it this way whether this text should be applied to the spiritual aspects of our life or not, I do know negligence, as much as it has profound negative consequences on maybe your career, your life, your family, all these other things, it definitely, I I know just just logically, then it would have a a profound negative uh, impact on one's spiritual life as well. But I want you to identify those things today. I I really want you to, every time you walk by the refrigerator, okay, yeah, negligent in this way. Negligent in this way. If you if you think about it, it says a little slumber, um, a little um a little a little folding of the hands, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, and so shall thy poverty come as one that travelleth that want as an armed man. Well, we 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 are to be alert, we're to be vigilant, we are not to be negligent, we're not to be slothful, we're not to be apathetic. In regards to, well, we have an enemy named Satan who roams about like a roaming lion, seeking whom he may devour. I think that's a good cross-reference. That could lead us to spiritual poverty. Okay? I'm just, am just think. so I I love the essay, and let's see where else he goes with this.
1: A couple, uh, well, it was about a year ago, uh, our family was out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and uh, we had been out there for a family camp, really enjoyed our time, and then uh, that camp, I believe, ended Friday morning. And Friday afternoon, we drove to uh, some friends uh, from college. were also out there at the same time. We're going to spend Friday evening together and have a cookout. We had a great time. 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. We were having a wonderful time there at that cookout. Things were slowing down. Uh, he had some kids, and I had my kids with me. And I was really into uh, the book, 1776 at the time, and uh, really being blessed by reading that, the account of what took place in American history in that year. So I pulled out a GPS, and I just wondered, how far is Lancaster from McConkie's Ferry, where Washington crossed the Delaware? I mean, I've never seen that before, and I would love to see that. And so I looked, and it was a mere two hours it was just a little bit after 8 o'clock. And then a dangerous thing happened. My mind started to roll. And then another dangerous thing happened. I suggested to my wife what was going on in my mind. My wife looked at me. By this time in our life, you know, it's just body language. We can just read. We can read the room by just the mere look. She goes, she starts shaking her head couple things came out of her mouth. Number one, you're going to do that without me. And number two, I know I'm not going to talk you out of it, so you might as well ask. And so I gathered the kids together. I said, who wants to go to Washington's Crossing? And they said, tonight? I said, tonight. And so before long, I had a van full of kids. They were happy. I was happy. My wife was nestled safe in the place where we were staying at and she was happy it was win-win across the board so away we went we got in the van it's probably 8 30 we had two hours we got to McConkie's Ferry it's pitch dark we're looking for the encampments if anybody's ever been there we're looking for you can't see anything the parks even getting around there are closed but what wasn't closed was the bridge going across the Delaware and so Drop dropped the kids, There's five or six of them in the car. Five or six? Something like that. Annette toughed it out with me. And I said, okay, guys, here's your chance. You're crossing the Delaware, just like Washington did in 1776, Christmas. So they walk across the bridge, and I drove the car into New Jersey, and I'm waiting by the bridge while I'm waiting for them to walk across. They're having a great time. A policeman turns his lights on, pulls, pulls up beside me and said, what are you doing here? It's 1045 at night. I said, sir, this might sound strange, but I came two hours to let my kids cross the Delaware. He goes, okay, park over there in a designated spot, please. And he shook his head, walked away. I'm like, I'm striking out with the adults. They're all shaking their head at me, but the kids are loving it. And so they got across into... New Jersey, and of course, I'm explaining what happened. Now Washington, he took his troops south, and they had several miles to go. And the other two groups crossed at different places, but they couldn't get across. It looked dire for, I mean, Americans. Uh, the, the 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 cause of the war hung in the balance of this. It was a bold, brave move, and so uh, we we did that. And then I explained to them that uh, it shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have been a success. But the Hessians who were guarding Trenton at that time were being led by Colonel Rawl R-A-H-L. And he received an envelope. And they handed it to him while he was playing cards and drinking on Christmas night with his Hessian uh, army, uh, Hessian soldiers. And he took that envelope and rather than opening it up and reading it, he put it in his pocket and thought he'd get to that envelope after the card game was done. They were having fun, after all, and it was Christmas. He neglected that envelope to the detriment of his small um, outpost, his guys, and his own life. Colonel Rawl died that night. Washington's army made their way down. It was almost daybreak by the time they got there, almost the time that we were there. Uh, made, made his way down there, and Rawl and the Hessians were overrun. By Washington's army, and it was just enough, just enough, to tell the, uh, the the freedom fighters that you know what, we can do this, we can beat them. And it wasn't a huge victory, but it was a moral victory that they took with them through that winter time, and a lot of it pointed to the neglect of one man to heed a warning just in time.
0: Now, that... Okay, I must have missed that part because I I remember the story about the kids. Well, I mean, I think the story is is pretty cool. Like all of a sudden in the middle of the night, you're like, "Hey, we're two hours away. Let's just go, right? Let's just go and and let's go have this adventure." That's awesome. That's cool. I love that. Right? That's awesome. And then the kids get to cross the Delaware. That's awesome. All of the story is great. I didn't didn't catch the negligent part, but then there now hearing it now, you know, not at four o'clock in the morning. So now now it all comes together there's a little bit to that. The man received a warning, the general received a warning and he neglected it. He neglected it. So we could, we, but that's another thing we could write down if we're going to talk about all the different ways we could be negligent in our spiritual life. Are we negligent to heed the warnings from scripture? Are we negligent to hear the warnings from our own self? Are we, are, are we negligent to, to the, to the warnings? I know I'm negligent to plenty of warnings, aren't you? I mean, I, all, all the time. I mean, I, 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 think we all are. So, so there that he's got a, he's got a great illustration there that actually fits. He shows about the dangers of negligence. And in this particular case, it led to death. It led to destruction for that, that particular general and his troops. Okay. And, a, and, may, and not a, maybe a, a significant point in the Revolutionary War. Now well, let's see how he continues and what else he does with this.
1: Well, that's all for that illustration, but I will finish off by saying, after we crossed the Delaware, I looked at the kids and said, who wants to see Independence Hall? <laughs> hey, why not? So why not drive into downtown Philadelphia at about I don't know, 1230 in the morning. What could go wrong? So we drove them down, and they got their picture by Independence Hall, and we had a two-hour drive back. The kids were getting hungry, and I didn't want that. So I said, who's had a a real, authentic Philadelphia cheesesteak before? No, we haven't. Oh, so we go off to Pat's and Geno's right downtown Philly. You know what? Everything else might be dangerous, but you're safe if you're at a uh, cheesesteak place in Philadelphia at 1230 in the morning. We can attest to that. So we went back and now they have a great story of adventure to tell and my wife can't share that story. She and she said it's okay. <laughs> the story of neglect cost the Hessians that victory and cost many lives. Here in our passage neglect has cost this field and this vineyard the ability to produce what it was meant to produce. It wasn't um, sabotage. It wasn't arson. It wasn't uh, some deliberate act. It was simply neglect. Neglect can sneak up into us and onto us and into our lives so subtly, which is, I think, why we have in this passage the reminder to consider these things, to consider the areas of our life that we have responsibility for or even opportunities with and make certain that the most important things in life are not being neglected, often at the expense of things that just really aren't that important. And so as we mentioned here in our passage, there is this Bible truth of this field that was neglected. I'd like to remind us about what took place during the reign of King Josiah. And King Josiah is a young man, young boy, actually, when he comes to reign at age eight. And by age of 16, I believe largely through the faithful preaching of Jeremiah, Josiah took a look at the temple of God in Jerusalem and saw it was in a situation of complete disrepair had been neglected and not only had the temple of God been neglected but the scriptures had been neglected as well as we mentioned this morning those so often go hand in hand neglecting God's house and neglecting God's word and so he said we're going to do something about that and so he said now
0: I wonder I, that is that is a uh, an interesting hypothesis. If if one neglects God's house, does it go hand in hand? They will neglect God's word. If they neg- if, if, if someone begins to neglect going to church, they start missing church. They're not there Sunday night. They're not there Wednesday night. Maybe they go Sunday morning. Do they begin? Does that increase the neglect of God's word? Now, I think in theory, I think everyone always convinced themselves, hey, 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 hey I may not be going to church, but I'm telling you, Sunday night, I may not be at church. I'm going to be studying God's word. I may not be at church Wednesday night, but I'm going to be studying God's word. I think a lot of people... A lot of people convince themselves that they will, but then I think in many cases they don't. I, 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 will, I will use my own illustration here. When we first moved back to Texas, we had been in Nebraska for 10 plus years. When we left Nebraska to come back to Texas, we started looking for a church. And a lot had changed, it felt, to me, in churches in just those 10 years. Because back when I lived in Texas as a teenager, right, and I grew up and became a Christian as a teenager and started going to churches, it was just common. Every church had Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. And all of them were like full hours of teaching, right? Sunday school was an hour of teaching. Sunday morning was an hour of teaching. Sunday night was an hour of teaching. Wednesday night was an hour of teaching, hour of teaching right? I saw this. Now, in November, Nebraska, I started seeing a little bit of change because Wednesday nights was, quote unquote, sometimes referred to as the midweek prayer service. So you kind of got like a 10 or 15 minute devotional, and then everyone gave prayer requests. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, that's just kind of the way it it, it happened. Well, so when we came back, we started looking for churches. All of a sudden, and I do apologize for the, the lawn guy is here, and you can hear it in the background. Um, I, I started looking for churches in the local area and we started realizing no Sunday night service, gone. Wednesday night service, gone. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And so I'm like, this, what is this? I, I, I don't, I don't understand this. And it's like, well, well I need all of these. So I kept thinking, well, if we go to a church that basically just has Sunday morning, then it's going to be my responsibility then to get the family together to teach Sunday night and teach Wednesday night. And if I'm doing the teaching Sunday night and Wednesday night, and I'm only going to church for basically getting an hour of teaching and Sunday school classrooms was more of the whole, everyone sit around in a semi commercial uh, semi circle telling us how, what you think about something. Um, I was like, if I'm going to be doing all the teaching, what's the point of going? And then I realized, you know what? I guarantee I know what will happen. All of a sudden, Sunday night, uh, you know, the kids don't feel like it. Let's not really, we won't do anything. And then we'll start. And the next thing you know, little by little, Sunday night and Wednesday night will just become things that we want to do and will not be dedicated to the teaching of God's word. And I was like, that is, I cannot let that happen. 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 So, so I, I, I think there may be something to that. I think it's very difficult when you're not going to church to say, I'm going to make up that time, that hour with intense study of God's word. I, I, th- I think there's something to that. And when churches begin to just, look, when you have a church building and all you're basically giving people is Sunday morning, I don't know why you don't just get rid of the church building and just go online. Because what do what you do? All the money to maintain that and all you're basically giving people, in some cases, not even a full hour sermon, a little 30 to 40 minute sermon. Maybe a Sunday school class. What's the point of having the building? What's the point of all of that? So, uh, but yeah, I, I think there, there's some there, some 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 concept, concepts there. How how do we become negligent of God's word? Negligent of God's house? Negligent of of so many different things? W- where does negligence show up in our life? Let's let's let him finish this up. I'm gonna let play a little bit more of this than I possibly t- probably would have planned. Uh, in other words, without interruption, because well, you can hear. You can hear that sound in the background. That's a lawnmower because the yard guy is here. So, all right, let's, so I'll let you hear more of that and less of that irritating sound in the background. Here we go.
1: We're going to clean up the temple. We're going to repair it. And and, and as we do that, and when we've done that, we're also going to read God's word and obey it carefully. We're not going to neglect it anymore. God gave us those words for us to live by. So we're going to do something about that. So he, I think, demonstrates the truth of our text here when he looked at that temple and he saw it wasn't being used for what it was built to be used for. And he did something about it. Proverbs 29, let's look there real quickly. In our Bible, we see the field was neglected. We see the temple was neglected. But in Proverbs 29... This is a kind of a chilling verse to me. Someone else is neglected here in this verse, Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself. Could we understand that to be a child that is neglected bringeth his mother to shame. Neglecting our children. The Lord uh, (laughs) drove this truth home to me vividly one day as years ago. Our oldest daughter, Juliana, got married several weeks ago, and uh, we're grateful for that. Took the different kids with me visiting through the years. It was a blessing. We had a family bus route. We, We loved that. And different Saturdays, different ones would go with me. Julie went with me one day. She was maybe eight. And Julie likes conversation. And I'm sure in her little mind, all day with dad meant all day with me talking to dad. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. But for some reason, that day, we'd visited a lot of kids, and we had a 30-minute drive home. There was a baseball game on the radio that for some reason I, in my mind, decided was more important to listen to than to answer my daughter's questions. And she had a lot on her mind. A lot of times kids do. That's why the Lord gives them parents to help them through those times and to talk with them. But on that day, for some reason, baseball, I I hate to even say it, For some reason that day, baseball was more important to me. And she picked that up, and so she stopped talking. And if this is important, I guess I'll just listen along with Dad. Well, that was Saturday, and every Saturday night at our church, we have men's prayer meetings, same time as you all, 8 o'clock, and came together to pray. I'm praying there for the services tomorrow with just a small group of men, and partway through that prayer, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, got me good and brought that back to my mind vividly well the groups broke up and went back to their homes but I did not go home that evening was a long night and I needed it to be a long night I just kind of walked around my office there pacing I don't cry a lot I cried a lot that night and said Lord please forgive me for in essence treat in a baseball game more important than my time with my daughter. Those times won't last real, real long. And I understand sometimes if we've got a chatterbox for a kid, sometimes it helps us to guide them and say, you know, you don't have to talk all the time. And when you get out and talk to other people, they're going to, you want to come up for air sometime too. I understand that, but that wasn't the case that day. That was me with misplaced priorities and this verse came to my mind. Child left to himself, bringeth his mother to shame. And I just pray, Lord, next time from here on out, please help me to follow through with this commitment. If I'm driving down with kids, somebody wants to talk, and I have the radio or something else on, that I'll just turn that off. Turn that off. I don't ever want to go through that again. I'm sure I've failed in that way. But the Lord wanted me to think and consider something in my life that was a potential danger, and that was neglecting our children. Of course, in this context, it's talking about a rod and reproof. It's talking about overlooking things that we need to deal with. And so certainly to overlook things that need dealt with uh, is neglect and can bring a mother to shame. But but it, it also can be spending time and talking and and. Understanding priorities in life and certainly as much as I enjoy baseball uh, or other sports to an extent that's not the priority and so we do well as parents to consider the gift and the opportunity that our children are for us and to not neglect them.
0: Now that is some very convicting things because we've all been guilty of in a sense neglecting others for our own selfish reasons like we put ourselves before others whether it's a child it can be any situation it's about us 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 and we neglect others others feel neglected others feel like and because we are we're we're making ourselves the priority so in, in which ways it spiritually neglecting others? How does that have a profound impact on one's spiritual life? Now, now prior to that, he did say something about neglecting the temple, that they were beginning to use the temple for something other than what it was originally built for. I think sometimes as churches, we have to ask ourselves, what are we using this building and all of this all of these resources we have? What are we actually using it for? Are we wasting them, or are we using it for something that we're never? It was never designed for. I think it's, it's there, but that right there is extremely convicting. So, if you ever have children, if you ever had children, there's times where you you just put yourself before them. You forget you 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 just do so, and so I, we can all say, "Oh me," there. But it, it goes beyond just children. It can be any other aspect of of relationship where you put someone else, you put yourself before someone else. You just think about yourself, your need, your want, your desire before anybody else. That's always can be very, very detrimental in in, in that situation.
1: Turn, if you would, to Colossians chapter 4 and verse 17. Another thing in our lives that uh, we are warned against uh, neglecting is our ministries. And Paul had a coworker named Archippus that uh, needed some reproof. And so in Colossians chapter 4, verse 17, he instructs uh, the church at Colossae to address Archippus in, in this way, verse 17, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord that thou fulfill it. Archippus, take heed to your ministry. Don't neglect it. Don't take it for granted. Don't get into a rut. Don't just show up on Sunday morning and stand up before the kids or the teens or whatever ministry the Lord has allowed you to be a part of. Don't go through the motions. Don't neglect it. If we neglect it, things that are neglected fall into a state of disrepair. And so when we do something repeatedly, because we should do it repeatedly. The danger is that it just becomes habit and we put it on autopilot and we show up like Samson thought he was going to do after he neglected uh, his vow to the Lord and finally it crossed the line where he had no more strength because he just assumed. And we sure do not want to assume in something so important as our ministries because ministries deal with souls, and souls hang in the balance. And in this world, there's everything working against a person uh, living a godly life or getting answers uh, for their spiritual needs. Uh, and the world's got a lot of things to tell them about this life, but people need to hear what the Lord's answers are for them, and about their spiritual life, and about eternal life. God's word uh, being real to them, and that is in danger of, of losing its effect if we neglect, just neglect, to seek the Lord and to pray and uh, to be ready each time that the Lord uses us in some ministry, not to neglect it. And so we do well to take a look at our response to the house of God and the word of God and to our children and to our ministries And make certain that they're not being neglected. Instead, that they're being tended to, cared for, and loved. The opposite of neglect. To tend to. To care for. And to love. In Matthew 25, we won't turn there, but this is the parable of the talents. One man chose to neglect the opportunity that God gave to him. He instead hid his talent in a napkin and never moved forward, never stepped out in faith uh, and a little bit of risk in order to put his Lord's money to work. And so he was called a wicked servant as a result of that because he hid the talent. He hid that time of opportunity away and did nothing with it. It was neglected. And before he knew it, the Lord was back. And that's the same way it is with us. Before we know it, the Lord will be back. Or we'll meet him in heaven. Before we know it. Last Sunday we were at a church up in Alaska and the night before at about 8 o'clock Saturday night I got a Message from someone back at our church and said, Did you hear about a a man who uh, we were in school with, taught some, mid 40s? He was actually in Alaska uh, with his family um, and uh, they were on a vacation. And he and his son got caught up in a current by a, a waterfall. And his son was struggling, so dad jumped in after him. And son eventually made it to shore, but dad did not. And this man, mid-forties, younger than me, who we knew well, he was a hearty guy, loved the Lord. He is in heaven now. His funeral is going to be on Friday. The Lord will bring those things into our life. These surprising things. And if we just let them pass by without looking on those things and considering them, we can lose I think some of what the Lord wants us to remember and that is the fact that our opportunities to live for Him and to serve Him don't last forever. They don't even last long. And so how important it is to care for to tend to, to pay attention to the opportunities that God brings into our life and that we grab a hold of them before they simply pass by. Lastly, we know this. <clears throat> the Bible asks, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Many people don't reject God, reject Jesus Christ. They just do what we heard preached this morning. Almost or later, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Hebrews 2.3 And so, many people, these Hebrew Christians, were not rejecting God's salvation. They just were neglecting it. But sadly enough, the end result, as we heard again preached this morning, almost gets you to the same place as no does. And neglecting a field gets you to the same place as someone that comes in and just destroys it. The end result is there's no fruit either way. Well, one person's motives weren't wrong. They just got into a bad habit or let neglect creep in. And so in Proverbs 24, we're admonished to follow the example of the man who saw this and he considered it and he received instruction from it. And so simply this night, uh, tonight, my question for you, or my uh, recommendation for all of us, is to just take a look at these very important areas of our life and ask the Lord, am I neglecting one of these areas? Am I neglecting my Bible reading? Am I neglecting faithfulness involvement in, in church? Am I somehow neglecting what I should be doing and having that zeroed-in focus on my family, husbands on your wives, wives on husbands, fathers on your children, Am I neglecting opportunities that I know the Lord has put before me? Is my ministry stale? And if you're here tonight and don't know the Lord as your Savior, are you neglecting His wonderful gift of salvation? We'll have a time of invitation, and that'll be a time for us to just think uh, in, uh, through our lives. It's rare when I start to think through my life that there's not something that the Lord says, you know, here's an area. Before it gets any worse, or maybe it's really bad right now, let's turn neglect into care and attention and love so that we don't suffer the consequences of neglect. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Negligence.
0: Do due diligence. Do due diligence to look at your life today to see which areas have been impacted by negligence. And let's do due diligence to turn that negligence into something different. I don't know in your life where that negligence has been. I can look at my own spiritual life and look at times where I was extremely negligent to my own spiritual life, to the detriment of my own spiritual life. I can look at my life where I was negligent in many ways, to the ministry opportunities that I had. And I know this, that whatever opportunities I have now, I don't want to be negligent of them. I want to do due diligence in them so that something of great benefit could hopefully arise from it. Today, look at your own life. Look at my life. Look at, well, don't look at my life. I won't look at your life. You look at your life You look, and I'll look at my life. Let's look at our own individual lives And see where negligence could be a problem. And then ask yourself biblically, hey, does the Bible warn us against negligence? Do not neglect. Do not be negligent in these areas. Clearly, Proverbs 24 gives us a a beautiful picture of negligence in a practical way, right? Hey, a little sleep, a little folding of the hands, a little slumber, a little slothfulness, and the field and the vineyard. Are, are useless. The wall's broken down. It's corrupted. It's useless. It's destroyed. Well, spiritually, a little neglect, a little apathy, a little slothfulness can have profound impact. How is it impacting your life? All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.